Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, a beautiful afternoon for a good game of football now, and it looks as though we have the makings of it. Barnes has come in. Oh, a fine goal by John Barnes. That's a beauty. Welcome to the Watford Buzz Podcast. My name's Tom Bodell and I'm joined once again by Jordan Weimer. We're without Matt again today. He's on a special fitness programme along with Emmanuel Dennis, so who knows when we'll see him next. Uh, Jordan, how are you? How's your week going? Yeah, yeah, it's going well. It's uh, good to be back here in the uh, in the front too, as it's now known. <laughs> yeah, that's it. With, uh, and that's what people are crying out for, if anything. Apparently so, yeah. I mean, we've yeah. heard a bit, haven't we? So... Um, Obviously, there's going to be. I'm sure there'll be lots of uh, lots of ideas coming out over the next couple of days. With um, the, I think say probably the most questions surrounding um, you know approach, style of play, management, etc. So I'm sure we'll get into all that. Yeah, absolutely. We we threw out the call for questions. We've had absolutely heaps of questions, and to be honest with you, there's a couple we're just not going to get to. But I favorited them on the Twitter, and we'll make sure we get to them at a, a time when there's less to talk about. But as ever with Watford. It seems like there's plenty to talk about. So let's boil it down. Was this game against Norwich a case of bad start, fat, bad finish, good in the middle? What, what did you make of it overall? Yeah, just a weird game, really. Um, you know, we we dominated at times. We, we were in control at times, you know, especially after we kind of got that goal, one goal back. Um, just before half-time, we kind of came out in the second half a little bit better. But yeah, just a, you know, against a, a team that was equally... As up and down within the ninety, you know, I think Norwich they were playing with some real pressure at home. You could see that, you could hear that as well from the crowd at, at times as well, especially after those substitutions were made. But um, I'd, I'd say just a, two two teams that lacked precision, concentration at times, a lot of fatigue in there. Just a real kind of up and down ninety minutes that you know it's hard to pull a lot from because it feels so fragmented as a as a performance overall. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned the substitution, the reaction to the substitutions. That was that was pretty wild. I know they've had an up and down season overall, but you know I don't think they're in a bad position, all things considered. But yeah, that was that was quite something, wasn't it? Um, of all the questions we've had, one of the few things that didn't get covered was Ryan Porteous, which seems like as good a place to start as any. He's picked up his tenth yellow card. He's going to be suspended for two games after another tough night at Carrow Road. Is that a bit of a blessing in disguise now? Well, I guess we'll find out, won't we? You know, um, next man up. But you know, one thing I will say, like we've 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 had, it's been a strange season in in the sense that we've you know we've we've often looked in, to the bench and the, the the deeper parts of the squad and thought. You know, why aren't we using these players? What's going on? And then we've had a couple of moments where we have seen like sort of Healy, for example, that when he kind of finally came in and a lot of people at the time are saying, oh, well, now maybe we see why. Um, so maybe we'll be pleasantly, pleasantly surprised by the next man up or perhaps, you know, maybe we'll we'll, we'll see what's been keeping 
uh, the likes of Syriata and Pollock out of the team. You know, Pollock had that good little run, so you'd expect him to come back in there potentially. But uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'm sure there's been plenty of people that are happy that Porteous is out uh, of, the, of the next two games. And honestly, it, it does kind of feel tough to argue with them in some ways too. What, what about you? Are you? Yeah, you I almost. Yeah, I almost feel. Yeah, relieved is the word for him. He was it Cardiff away. He got kind of taken out for one game. I think Sierra Alta came in, and then I have a feeling he came on towards the end to help block it up and nick the point yeah. when we were in a in a bad run anyway. But you do wonder what it is that uh, Ismail is seeing in his performances that he's giving him that Pollock and Sierra Alta can't. And, and to be honest with you, what you know, what did Pollock do particularly wrong in those couple of? two or three games, whatever it was that he played in a row after the, the Southampton match. I don't think he did anything terribly wrong. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be very interesting, but it seems that there's a hell of a lot of faith from Ismail in Porteous, almost uh, regardless of his displays. So, yeah. yeah. I think just when you look at Ryan, when you look at Ryan Porteous, I think if, if you're trying to... Because I've, I've done the same thing. I'm, I've looked at the, the team and I'm thinking to myself, what is it that that Ismail sees in, in Portis that he wants in the team. And the only real difference between him and the other options is, is there's some mobility, there's some lateral mm. mobility. You know, you don't feel as much of a threat um, when that fullback gets exposed. However, there have <laughs> been mistakes. Obviously, the, the the goal, you know, the goal that came about last night, obviously he didn't quite win that duel against Dashley Barnes. And it, it was a situation where Tonde Bashiru kind of got played out of position and he wasn't able yeah. to do that covering. But... You know, the, the other thing is we, we talk about a lot that rashness, that driving out of defence. It is clearly something that's called upon um, from from Ismail or called for from mm. Ismail in, in regards to that defensive play. And he, he wants to do it. It seems to be a mechanism that he he really thinks could be successful for us. I'm just not sure he still has the right man. He might be the best we have in terms of you know being able to di- dive out and get into that, engage that player, engage that, that midfield fielder or striker in that deeper position apply that pressure quickly disrupt things yeah. and still have the chance to get back in but we, we talked about this a lot I just don't think he's quite got the 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 sense of when to do that when not to do it uh, and also crucially the actual winning of that battle hasn't quite been there either and it's been quite costly but you know Ismail's been really sticking to that and that's the only real difference I can see between him and him and the others we've seen us try it with Hoot a couple of times but Hoot's much more cautious to do so I think he's quite aware of his own his own frailty in doing mm. so and, and doesn't kind of activate that so much but but yeah it's it's a it's a definite weird one it's funny isn't it you, you're absolutely right i think in that mobility you know pollock it feels like a pair of shoulders uh sierra Alta is obviously quite a big chap as well i almost feel like could we take that mobility away from portis because he's so um you know so keen to exercise it so keen to use it that that's where it leads us into danger and, and don't get me wrong uh, you know I'm not completely myopic here when it works it looks spectacular when he goes you know he did it even last night he kind of flew into a couple of challenges higher up the field um, even in the Norwich half there was one was it with Ashley Barnes where he kind of comes clattering yeah. in and I mean he got clattered I thought he was going to get booked initially um, so you know when it works it looks spectacular and it turns the ball over in, in or potentially turns the ball over in, in places of danger and threat for us but yeah, that kind of cost, you know, risk-reward balance is teetering, or not so much teetering, I think, very strongly pointing towards, um, you know, risk rather than reward at the moment. Um, one of the first... The first question I'll kick off with then from our fantastic followers and listeners is from Kieran Reese at Kieran underscore Reese on Twitter. And it's another one I think that quite a few people will have been asking, ourselves included, but... It is this. What does Tom Delibashiru offer at right back? Because as I see it, he can't defend and he doesn't offer anything going forward from that position either. So focusing on the what he offers, what, what is it he offers? If I had to say what he could bring to that position, um, it, it's it, the thing is it's tough because what I would <laughs> assume he, you, would, you would want him in there to bring is not something we've necessarily utilised that much. But the, his best moments from right back when we play in a, that inverted position where he comes into midfield he kind of operates as a as a midfielder for a lot of the game if we have a lot of the ball he can come inside and give you some options I think he is good at that he can he can carry the ball forward he can play into space um, he looks comfortable doing that obviously we don't really get to see that enough of him uh, from him um, when he's been playing recently at, at right back it's it's a tough one I think it, it, it's really more about 
I think it's really more about depth and, and, and what we can do, what what, space, what positions we can cover with what we have, as opposed to it being a, a real kind of uh, a tactical flair of, of Ismail. I think it's just the case of we don't have a backup right back right now. You know, we've got too many injuries. Andrews has had to be rested for whatever reason. I've had a couple of things, potential, um, you know, slight injury, missed a couple of days in training, etc. But, um, you know, I think it, it really speaks more about what we what we don't have than what we do have in, in Tom Dilly Bashiru. And, you know, I always have a little bit of sympathy for the players that are asked to do that sort He's of role. Fortunately, in a way, he was playing quite well at, at eight and then dragged back into that position in recent games. It's kind of not ideal for him either. Yeah, I don't disagree. And I think he's kind of a victim of circumstance in the, in the true sense of victim that given Kayembe's been away at AFCON and clearly Kone has been, you know, really stretched um, playing so many games in such a short space of time, I think we'd have probably seen changes in midfield with, with, with Tom coming into there had um, the call not come at, at right back. I do wonder, and, and you touched on potentially something there, what the, the, the issue is with Andrews, why he can't play, a, you know, appreciate he's a talent. We don't want to kind of burn him out in the way that you see so often with these young players. It is a, a big physical demand on them to come into the team like that and, and play regularly, having stepped up from academy level, age group level football. But you also kind of think, if he's fit and he wants to do it, then just let him play. And, and on that note, Craig from Littlepool, at Goats Willie, great username, asks, Val's persistence with playing players out of position. Why has Andrews, who's clearly our best right back, been on the bench the last two or three games? He can't be that tired. Is, is there anything you can kind of, any light you can throw upon that or anything from a kind of, um, you know, sports science perspective to suggest what the thinking is? I think you know he's he's played a lot of games. We don't know the full extent of um, any minor injuries that he might be suffering right now. You know, I think there's a lot of players playing through injury um, in the team anyway. They 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 always will be at this time of the season for you know a decently sized squad, let alone one of our size. So, you know, you, you're being a little bit careful with him. I'm not sure we're I'm not sure we're being more protective of him than than others. You know, I think obviously it may seem like it, but we just haven't had the full picture on his his fitness his status really so um like i think he'll be back in the team next week or this weekend mm. sorry i think that's going to be one of those it's going to be a situation we kind of have to um in terms of the information they're gathering you know they they're able to to track pretty well um in the games in training the the player's output um you know what he's getting through and what he's able to take and if they say you know he's at that tipping point right now we 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 just need to give him some time we need to let him recover fully. You know, a big, a big thing for these young players is often really kind of getting them to nail that recovery. And it is something that takes a little while. Then they, they can often be a little bit more susceptible to, to breaking down with those short turnarounds. So, you know, I don't think it's... Um, I, I, I don't have too much of a problem with it. I, I trust the fact that I'm sure Ismail wants to play Andrews. He's clearly our best option there. Um, I, I trust that if they're not playing him, it's for a, a pretty good reason. Because um, I can't really see any any kind of logical um, decision being made to, to to kind of take him out of the team unless it was something that was quite necessary. No, I agree. There's uh, there's not a lot of argument there. Um, on the opposite side, and it rather feels like we're we're picking apart the defence piece by piece at the moment. But that is where the kind of narrative takes us. Peter Elson at Wrong Liner asks, "How poor was Lewis yesterday, and could Morris be a better option?" I think we all know the answer. Peter's got his preference. What say you? I mean, I think Lewis has, has been in a bad patch, undoubtedly. He's just kind of been exposed defensively, not really offering too much going forwards. I don't know that Morris offers you a ton more, to be honest with you. I don't think we've got great options at left back. I think that's just kind of... The situation we're in, you know, at least of Lewis, we've seen that he is capable, capable, you know, prior to to, to coming here, especially of, of of being effective at this level. Um, what we have to do to get him there's a different question. If we can achieve that or not, I'm not entirely sure. But you know, the the thing is, there's there's definitely been an argument raised now as, as to who should be playing, which says kind of everything, I think. Yeah. No, I totally agree. When you consider how kind of Morris is held. The regards or lack of regard with which he's held in, in in some aspects of the fan base, and this is you know the usual caveat of not taking all your opinions from Twitter, but certainly is he's been unpopular at times. I think it says everything about Lewis's run of form that it's 
a debate. I will say that, though, run of form, because I don't think he's been terrible all season by any stretch of imagination. I think he's had good spells. Right. And even within yesterday's game, I thought, going forward, admittedly, he had, rather than defensively, he had, you know, periods or, or, or moments where he did well and, and was, a, was a decent outlet. But it's those kind of defensive basics isn't it you know the the inability to stop wingers stop crosses showing wide players onto the their stronger foot I mean you know the, the Ashley Barnes goal I don't think you need to be any kind of there's the train you don't need to be any kind of level of tactician to look at that and break it down and go bloody hell he's made it easy for O'Neill Hernandez which was one of the subs that kind of drew a bit of ire from the crowd wasn't it him going off um, yeah. he's made it very easy for him to get the cross in for Ashley Barnes so um, and then, then it was the fourth goal wasn't it where um, Jack Stacey gets the cross in for Fasnacht so yes not a good night for him uh, an- another string to this particular kind of bow I suppose comes from GM no name but Watford underscore GM who says is Semmer worth a try at left back doesn't score enough for a forward for me and Martins is far better on the left we've seen it once or twice without disastrous consequences but is that something you'd want to see more longer term or does that kind of disrupt the balance of things further forward if you move Semmer out of the forward line it may do um there's a few aspects to it you know I think w- one last thing on on Lewis or kind of in Perfect. regards to this too is I think he there's a, there's a certain lack of intensity a certain lack of um tempo to his game which yeah. I think affects him at both ends of the pitch um, yeah agreed and and with Ken you know he does bring a level of industriousness or industry I should say sorry um, to his game um, he, he does play with that and you know he, I don't know how you feel about playing a left winger and a central midfielder at full backs <laughs> that's a good question isn't it when you consider um, how much criticism Val has got for playing square pegs in round holes, to, and 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 exactly. uh, GM is not the only person to have said this, made this suggestion of Ken at left back. You know, it's kind of one rule for one and one rule for another a little bit, isn't it? It is, but I, you know, I understand it too. You know, this is again, it it goes back to our squad building. We're in a situation where this is a genuine question, and I I I think in some ways you sh- you you should definitely entertain it and I'm sure it's being thought about because you're getting below what's required level of play at left back we've seen Ken play there you know if that's what we need to do then, then I can see us doing it I think one element to it which has to be kind of thought about is you know if Ryovic is starting up front it, it seems that Ismail has kind of accepted that we need to have that that outside delivery we have to have the the strong foot on the outside to try and capitalize on that because we're not really to get that interplay um, and as much potential kind of joy out of those inverted wingers, we have to kind of go to that that style of play, which maybe is affected slightly. Um, but you know, on the other hand, it does give you something a little different offensively too. If you are having a lot of the ball, I quite like it. You know, I think about these home games we struggle um, to break teams down, uh, have a lot of possession, but aren't really having much joy getting getting behind or kind of working space in those central positions. And I do look at Ken Semmer as a, as a potential option for left backs. So it does give you something. A little bit more, um, a little bit more direct, but comfortable mm-hmm. in play. Like really comfortable playing those forward areas. He's still a, a good athlete, good enough to to cover and so on. But um, yeah, it's 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 a strange situation. It's not it's not a perfect solution, but it is a different route you could go down if you're trying to you know trying to find a way out of some uh, some poor fallback play. What do you how do you feel on Ken at left back? Yeah, I, I get the point that, you know, he's not the most prolific scorer or assister, but I do... Damn it, I like him. I like him further forward. I think he's different to our other kind of wide players in that he's, he's not tricksy, you know. He will just kind of bit like a bull almost, just get his head down and charge sometimes. And sometimes I think you need a little bit of that. You know, so we can be a little bit too finicky and try and you know score the perfect goal without kind of going all Wenger era Arsenal so I think I would probably take Lewis out for a game or two it either works in the sense that he gets the respite he needs Morris gets an opportunity maybe it's tired legs you know he hasn't played a lot of football over a lot you know trying to not make excuses but think about it um, you know more holistically he hasn't played a huge amount of football in the last year or so with Newcastle um, 
and if Morris comes in and does horribly, then people will be clamouring for Lewis back. So he essentially can't lose, I would say, mm. in that situation. Uh, let's get a bit more positive. Ismail Kone, once again, we've reached the, that part of the pod. He was the bright spot, the brightest spot for us. I think unilaterally there's agreement on that. We sung his praises post-Leicester. Let's do it again. What kind of caught your eye with him? Do you agree? With, hopefully you agree with my assessment that he was the brightest spot for us. Otherwise, this is going to be a bit awkward. Not have to just talk about it. <laughs> no, he was. He was the brightest spot for me as well, I think. He... He, he, when when he's in when he's in his flow when he's playing at his at his level he's just really easy to watch. Um, you know he covers large amounts of the pitch. You know you look at kind of his heat map from the game and so on. You see kind of how active he is across all areas. You know he gets right, he gets left, he plays central, deep, high up the pitch. You know in both boxes he's active and he's just uh, he, he's a, he's a head coach's dream in terms of what he offers in that regard. Yeah, really, really good. You know, he was solid in possession, wasn't turning the ball over a lot, got on the ball quite, you know, quite a lot, 56 touches overall, but he's looking to pick it up, as we say, in multiple places. Um, he gives you flexibility offensively and defensively. He just gives you, he's a, he's a real platform to build off from your midfield. And, you know, every time he plays, we look stronger for it recently. So, mm. you know, long may it continue because we're going to need it, you know, especially if we're trying to find these minor adjustments to make us a winning team again. He's definitely going to be central to that. And he, he went down with a bit of an injury too. I think he's one that's also been carrying a bit of something. Mm. Um, you can see with a little bit of calf issues and uh, he's had some, some, some issues there already this season. You know, one more hit last night and it was it was questionable. He had, to, he had to try it out before he got back on. And I can guarantee you he's um, he's not... He's not going to be on the pitch for the next couple of days, most likely, and then try and get back for Saturday. So, yeah, important player now, if not the most important, I'd say. Yeah, would would go along with that. And obviously a lovely little kind of reverse pass, slide rule pass into Ken Semmer to, to create the first goal. Um, just yeah. under, you know, probably goes underappreciated in the moment, but what, you know, what vision and, and perfectly weighted to, to release Ken. Um, Once one 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 little positive also as well. We in terms of we talking about the, the kind of midfield there. We also did have the return of Kembe last night too, which was which was good yeah. to see at least. That was one of the positive that came with it. So. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get on to the substitutes actually in a bit because we've got a question on that, perhaps unsurprisingly. Um, Yasser Espria was the other positive, I think, if only for the absolute screamer he scored. First question for you, which is from listener Tom Bodell. Um, <laughs> is that goal of the season, or is it still Wesley Hoot up at Leicester? God, I think it's. I think it's a spree. I think it's yes, I, 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 I think that's as well. such a good strike, especially you know that's, that's what, it's just such an element of his game that you, he, when he gets to that shooting position, you really have no idea, do you? That you know, especially from from that range, that angle is such a such a clean strike. The way he hits across the ball, it's um, it's such a shame that wasn't on the on the end of a. Um, of, a, of, a, of a win you know it's a shame that that's a 4-2 loss that we can yeah. see that goal in but you know it, it just shows it's another another fact or another example of the quality that he possesses and you know honestly I'm, I'm all up for uh, giving these players some highlight reels and and uh, kind of improving their stock a little bit no absolutely well his stock is improving week by week I did my bit by sharing it in the family whatsapp group earlier today um, friend of the pod Vic Bait at Bait Vic asks where do we see Espria going in the summer not sure he's ready for the Premier League but could see him flying in a more technical less physical league perhaps the Liga or Portuguese one of the Portuguese giants as he's been linked with what do you what do you reckon I'm working on the basis he's probably the most saleable asset and we need to sell players this summer uh, any disagreement on your part no no I think he's he's one that we're we're looking to sell, um, looking to sell when we can, and yeah, he's he's a he's a great option for it. I think you know, you, you, I, I'm not sure that Premier League clubs will come calling. I think there'll be interest for sure. Whether or not that's the best thing for his career is is a little hard to say. It really depends on the situation. I think he'll do well there, um, but you know, the minutes might be a little bit more limited. He's not quite the the, the well-rounded product that João Pedro was when he left, was he? So. Um, yeah, I mean that Portugal will be a good a good move for him, no doubt. I think Lisbon were the ones that were linked with him, wasn't it? Sporting Lisbon. In yeah, the, that's right. Yeah. In the final days of the, the January transfer window, so there's there's every chance they come back, and obviously they've had some success with you know, dipping into the championship um, for players in the last couple of years. So yeah, I mean, I just want to see him get a good move, and you know, I think he's 
he deserves it. I think he, he's starting to show some real promise, and you know, a smart club will look at him and, and think he's worth a go for for what I imagine will be a moderate fee for us, but still pretty favourable for the buying team as well. What sort of price would you put on it? Do you think what what do you think we would take to to let him go this summer? Oh, it's a tough one. Um, I think it depends on. It's really just going to depend on what interest we have. You know, I think that. Uh, I wouldn't want to put a number on it too definitively, but you know, I'd, I'd say we're kind of looking around the fifteen plus eighteen twenty, you know, around that sort of range. I think it, again, it depends on the interest we have and how the deal kind of evolves. But I, I think the reality is we'd probably accept a little bit lower than what we'd want if we had to, because of how crucial um, that asset is as a, as a saleable asset, as you say. What, what yeah. do you what are you thinking price wise? Yeah, I think I think so, and I think that's cheap as well. To be honest with you, for the player, he could be. It is. But yeah. I think the the problem is we we see what he can do, but. And it's tempting to go, well, you know, we got 30 million for Pedro with not much more of a body of work, but he did have that, you know, a bit more of a body of work. He was the kind of the key man, wasn't he? He was the, 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 the totemic figure in that team last year, captain at times, top This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Score, I think I'm right in saying had played in the Premier League a bit before that, you know, he probably had another 12 or 18 months on on a spree in terms of his development by the time he left the club, that is. I actually quite like the idea of him going to Portugal. I must admit, you know, those clubs probably don't have the cash to spend that a Premier League, well, certainly that a Premier League club doesn't, uh, a Premier League club has and, and probably clubs in the league as well. But I think Sporting have thrown a reasonable amount around and as, and as you rightly say, obviously dipped into the Championship last year to sign Victor Jokeres from Coventry for a, a decent fee and, and the expectation is that he will probably move to the Premier League this summer for an even bigger fee and I think Portugal in that respect is quite a good market isn't it for um, polishing up these players and then selling them on very quickly so if we do sell to Sporting or Benfica or somebody Porto um, potentially you know you've got the option to get another kind of uh, hit when they sell them on, and, and we get something from the, um, you know, percentages next sale fee. So Agreed, yeah. yeah, no, potentially, potentially, uh, ideal world. We obviously keep him, but I think I think we might be whistling in the in the wind for that one. 
Um, at the other, at the top end of the pitch, still here's one from to, uh, Tim Walkley. Sorry, Tim at Walkley eighty eight, who asks, "Can you find five statistical positives about Ryavich's performance yesterday, and did his performance indicate promise?" Now, in anticipation, five, yes. Now, in anticipation, oh. I have pulled out some stats. So, what I thought is, I would read them to you, and you can tell me what you think. Kind of contextually, does that? indicate positive and just how you thought he did overall so mm. he was first for shots this is out of all players on the field over the game third for touches in the box first for aerial duels attempted and first for aerial duels one he completed 11 of 13 passes however none of those went forward or into the final third for context he had the highest XG of any player on the pitch. Not surprising when one of his shots was from about a millimetre out. Uh, all three of his defensive actions were successful and he was fourth for ball recoveries in the opponent's half, which I thought was quite notable because I, I saw it myself at the time. That he turned the ball over a few times, got the ball back in Norwich's half, which you know is pretty remarkable for him. So on the face of it, lots of kind of first, second, thirds there. But... What do we think of those numbers and, and his performance in terms of the eye test, I guess? Well, you've done well to get five there, Tom. <laughs> um, yeah, you've done well. So you know, I think actually, in a weird way, I don't, think he, I don't think he was great, but I think it was one of his better games yesterday in terms of, um, I think his, his, his effort to get back and, uh, and battle, I think was better. Um, you know, often he's just not really getting he's often just not quite quick enough to even get involved in a lot of the duels you want him to. Yeah. Um, but he, he was battling somewhat. And, you know, it's, he can be a little bit frustrating. He can win the ball and then not really capitalise even from winning it at yeah. times. But he, he was getting more involved. There was a few times that he was quite deep in our half and he was able to, to kind of get in, get involved in some challenges and, and at least disrupt. You know, I, I want your, you want your striker at least making it hard for his opponent. And he was able to do that a little bit more. I think in terms of that, it was his best... Um, his best display obviously you know he, he he scored again too and it was a tap in but he, he had to get in the right position his movement was good to to be sharp enough to, to kind of you know place himself in that spot and, and tuck it away even though it wasn't you know kind of it wasn't the most convincing finish but he finished it so I, I can't complain too much there um, I still think we need something different from striker but in, in terms of his looking at his gut his game uh, looking at his, his kind of sample of games that we've seen from him, it was one of the better ones from an all-round perspective, I'd say. You know, he, as you say there, you picked out some numbers, which it kind of does demonstrate that um, a touch too. And yeah, I, I like the fact that he's at least getting on the ball a little bit more and, and finding ways to involve himself. Because it doesn't, you know, 27 touches doesn't sound like that much, but for Milita Rajevic, it's, it's quite it's a lot higher than what we've yeah. seen him in. Yeah. And also too, you know, he had nine aerial duels, didn't he? He won three, mm. which... You know he doesn't often win them. Um, he really no. doesn't often win them. He's, he's he's good at getting in the right spot when it comes into you know the ball into the box, and he'll he'll find ways to get head uh, headed shots on goal. He's actually you know he's good at he's he's good at taking advantage of those those situations. The ball's deflected, and he kind of finds a way to get on the end of it. His timing's good, but it's still a different skill from um, actually kind of you know battling against them in the defender or against a defender and and winning that duel, which he, he doesn't do too often. So you know he still lost the ball seven times, but. Uh, he was he was more active because um, too many times you look at the actions that are being taken and Ravich is is often not really even involved. Yeah, no, quite agree. It's, I thought especially early on I was like t you know making notes as I went along and there was the chance won it back in their box, but as you said, you know what he did after winning it, the shot was a bit rubbish, kind of deflected off someone and, and Angus Gunn caught it. There was he won it quite high up the field, should have slipped it through for Livermore who had run beyond him, didn't and then there was probably the worst one of the lot where he nicks it off Ben Gibson over on the kind of left hand side of the penalty area. You've got Martins screaming yeah. for it, running through and he sees him and he tries to do it and he doesn't. And you know, if it was anyone else you might go, Oh, but him you just went Oh, I never had any faith in him for picking out the runner yeah. Martins anyway. So, yes, an, an interesting one. And that's what the stats don't tell you, I suppose, isn't it? It's all very well and good ranking first or something, but there are some uh, you know, contextual things that you only get by watching the game as well. Certainly, yeah. Um, 
Couple more questions to go. Richard Steeden at SteedRO said, Val says he was let down by his subs at Norwich, so has he thrown Dennis under the proverbial bus? In case you missed it, Ishmael said afterwards, when you make some substitutions, you expect everyone to be on top and to help the team, especially to help those players who had already been on for 60, 70, 80 minutes and worked hard. When a player comes onto the pitch, they need to have the desire to bring something for the team and to help their teammates. We felt let down in that situation. Is he just picking on Dennis or is that kind of a dig at all these changes? I think it'd be harsh on... I mean, Kembe wasn't on really too long to make a difference. Andrews was, was fine when he came on. Ince was okay. Um, Espria obviously scored the goal, so I think it has to be Dennis. And, yeah, Dennis was pretty awful, actually, wasn't he? He, he, spent <laughs> he most really of, was. His, he really was. <laughs> yeah, you know, he, he spent most of the time... Um, most of his actions were involved in his back to goal and... You know, kind of in around the right right back area more than anything, and obviously dispossessed a number of times, touched the ball twenty three times. You know, six six pass attempts, or oh, sorry, eleven pass attempts, only six successful. Um, five dribble attempts, only one successful. Dispossessed, um, dispossessed. He lost possession twelve times. You know, uh, twenty three touches to lose possession twelve times is a is a pretty wow, mean that's feat. So going, he's, isn't it? Yeah, and it, you know, again, these are in these are not in. These are not just losing the ball, driving up the pitch, and then try and make things happen. It's it, you know, it's losing it in in dangerous positions where um, you're kind of directly impacting the team in, in a negative way. So, you know, I, th- I think the thing is with with Dennis too. It's you know, a lot of people are saying about him not being fit, which I'm not sure if there's a question about him being fit later on or not. Um, so I don't want to, don't want to kind of get to too early, I guess. But we'll we'll cover it seeing as we're here. Um, Go for it. In regards to him being fit, you know, I think it's not—it's not really a fitness issue in my in my eyes. You know, he, he's coming off the bench later on in the game. He's not played a ton of football, but he—he's a pro athlete. There's an element of match fitness, sure, but to be honest with you, you can replicate that very well. It's more about getting that match sharpness in, you know, rather than the actual kind of athletic capabilities of the player. He's not blown. He's not. He's not. He's not gassed after five minutes on the pitch. He, he's making poor decisions, making poor touches, make, uh, you know, poor execution. Within the first, you know, minute or so of being on the pitch, it's not a fitness issue that's kind of plaguing him here. It's he's in poor form, and or when he's coming on, he's just playing poorly. The the fact is, the two previous games, his impact's been really positive. You know, he he looked the best player on the pitch when introduced in the last two games. Perhaps there's still some match fitness to build up. That's absolutely fine. You know, there, there is a factor to there is an element of that which you know obviously can be relevant, but what's the answer for last night? It's it's not fitness. It's it's a player that's come on and just not played well. Why hasn't he played well? That's that's the question because yeah. it was far far different to the to the, the the Dennis we saw against Cardiff. No, absolutely. It's that kind of match sharpness, isn't it? There's being fit and be you know he's fit in the sense yeah. that he can run around for any given length of time. He can run quickly. Mm-hmm. I can't. I am unfit, but. It's match sharpness, isn't it? And and I think you kind of saw it in that uh, build up to the fourth goal, I think, wasn't it? Where he kind of just got his back kind of uh, to a Norwich defender, loses the ball fairly cheaply, and he just you know he just looks beaten in a sense as he lies there, and they're going to go down the right hand side and, and and score. So, and that wasn't an isolated incident. So I think it's. Um, it's a catch-22, isn't it, in that you can only regain that sharpness by playing, but in doing so, you are going to expose yourself and your lack of sharpness at the same time. So we are just going to I guess to answer the question, though, yes, I'd say. He was thrown under the bus, wasn't he? <laughs> yes. Was I, th- him the I think yeah. so. I don't think it, either the other... You know, Aspria came on and obviously scored. Um, and, yeah, I don't think Kayembe did anything egregiously bad. So... Couple more final two questions here, um, and they're kind of more bigger picture questions, I suppose. So the first is from Craig at Craig HBK. Do you think this team is boring and negative? I'm not seeing it myself, but plenty seem to think so. Be interested in what the stats say. So, once again, I pulled out some stats, not necessarily a conclusive uh, answer, but I'll, I'll throw them at you and, and think and hear what you've got to say as well. So. We're seventh for goals scored, we're sixth for shots attempted, 14th for XG, 13th for XG conceded, ninth for touches in the opposition box, 10th for forward passes attempted, fifth for final third passes attempted, second for crosses attempted, 
and fifth for progressive runs. I guess a lot of it hinges on, you know, what do you define as a stat that indicates positivity? That was kind of what I thought. But what do you make of those numbers? And, and, and what's your own kind of analysis of the situation? Are we, are we boring? Um, I mean, boring's a tough one. I think at times we can be, definitely. I think we... I think our our approach, uh, the the way we the way we approach games is is maybe not the most exhilarating, exciting. <laughs> um, I don't think we have quite the. I I think what I will say is we don't really have that. When we go into games, we don't really kind of have that real um, feeling of. I, I don't identity is kind of where we are. I feel like we use that word a bit too much, but. We we've become a little bit more of a middle of the road team in every aspect. You know, we 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 don't lean too heavily on any particular avenue. We're we're kind of right middle of the road, and I think the numbers reflect that too. Mm. Um, you know, when I when we talk about the beginning of the season, we were you know top and top and bottom in a lot of metrics, depending on what you're looking at, because we were very had a very singular focus on how we were looking to play the game, um, and it showed through. You know, the way we played at the beginning of the season was was much different to where we are now. So now we're kind of a little bit more reactive. I think we are more passive at times. We're more about staying within games than, than blowing teams away mm. um, or really dictating games. I think that's a, a level of just kind of reality of, of where the team is in regards to the squad building that's gone on, um, the, the injury like injury potential, injuries, fitness, etc. Has kind of led to this team, which is a little bit of a half measure team. You know, we're not we're not really dominant in any particular area. Mm. Where at one point of the season we were very cross heavy. You know, those byline crosses we were blowing blowing teams away in terms of the uh, the percentage of those that we had per game. Um, but you know, now we're as I said, we're much more middle of the road. Yeah, I think that's quite a good way of looking at it. Actually, it's still kind of to be established exactly what our identity is we're not one thing or another particularly strongly are we um i just no. personally i've quite enjoyed a number of our games even game or parts of our games even games where we haven't won there have obviously been stinkers you know sheffield wednesday away was boring sunderland away was absolutely miserable and that was just watching it on sky at home but for the kind of middle chunk just to go right back to the beginning the middle chunk of the game yesterday I thought there was some good stuff within that. You know, the the Ryovich stuff, okay, yes, um, Martins didn't perhaps have the best game, but Kone was a threat. Um, and there have been, you know, even in defeats, the, the Leicester game at the weekend, I think most people universe, unilaterally came away from that quite encouraged as well in terms of how we'd set our stall out in the second half. But we're not quite there. It's it's a work in progress, I think, is, is the kindest thing you can say yeah about I where mean, we are i think i think the thing is is that the numbers really reflect that we are a mid-table team that yeah. there's nothing that really you know there's, there's nothing that really kind of says that we're we're not you know i think the, the thing i'm i'm definitely been surprised with some elements you know i think there's there's definitely a lot of factors which i wasn't expecting and the, the difference between the beginning of the season and now is so stark if you go back and watch those early games or just watch some clips of those early games it's a real, a real big difference, and you know, I feel, I feel for the coach in that capacity. Um, mm. I, I, you know, we, we didn't bring him in. We we brought in a coach that has some some traits, you know, from his from his his history as a coach. You kind of look at the teams he's managed and how he's operated. There's definitely think parts to that his game that he likes to include in pretty much every team he's been at, which he hasn't really been able to do with us due to you know ex, some external factors and you know squad depth and size and so on really does affect that for him. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're just we're just kind of a, a weird accumulation of of players and mismatched or kind of misplaced <laughs> players in different. You know, we're talking about Ken Semmer at left back and Tom Davies at right back. It's it's not ideal to to have a team that's consistently producing performances. And you know, you say we've you've enjoyed some, and I, I have too. But we are up and down, and that that middle of the road in terms of our kind of placement and all these metrics is is not so much um, every game we're average. Just that there's lots of up and down. You know, we have yeah. some some games. Even for example, you look at um, you know, passes per defensive action from as you know, kind of a, as a press, pressing metric. We're we're, we're at tenth, um, but some games we're kind of right up there towards the top end of the table. Other ones we're we're much more passive and and not. It's just because we don't have real consistency in performance. So 
it does lead to what can be seen as quite a, a boring team or a stagnant team. But I, I do feel like we're only ha- we're only really a couple of changes away from being able to uh, be a little bit more positive. It's just mm. that the real question is whether we see those changes or not. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's almost a case as well to say that being middle of the road is more boring than being you know bottom of some of these metrics as well, right? In a, in a, in a sense of yeah, if you you know not in a good way, but it might as well be all if you can't be uh, interesting, you might as well be awful. Um, you know, in a, in a kind of perverse way, gallows humor and all that. Well, so. Or generally, you have or generally have a tendency towards one. You know, generally you're, you you might be a mid-table team. But you're a little high. It, it's a little stranger to be middle of the pack in all regards. No, we're we're mm. slight. Basically, we're slightly above average in a lot of metrics. Like you know, crosses we're a little bit higher um, than the championship average. You know, goals were a little bit higher. Shots were a little bit higher. Field tilt a little bit higher. Possession a little bit higher. Con- goals conceded a little bit worse. Shots conceded. A little bit better, long balls, a little bit high. There's lots of things we just kind of around that. There's no one real standout. Um, I'm just trying to look through so if there's anything, you know, highest end we is really the crosses, isn't it? That's kind of the thing we, we do more than most teams. Um, even there with sixth, you know, um, pressing intensity, we're right down the bottom in some areas. You no, know, it depends what metric you're using. Um, but you look at intensity and efficiency, 19th and 16th, we're not really, you know, it. it, it we're just kind of in that spot right now and I, I think until we see changes to the squad um, it's going to be hard for, the, for that to change too much I think we are going to be that sort of team right now where we, we kind of play the field pretty evenly um, and try and capitalise where we can but uh, that's unfortunately kind of where we're going to be for the next few months in my opinion That's it and as you rightly say we're kind of averaging everything and we're kind of slap bang in the middle of the table as a result which leads me on nicely to our final question which comes from Vic Bate who managed to sneak a second one in. What represents a good season now? Top half for me he says. What what do you think? I think I'd probably go along with that but I could see us sliding probably anywhere down to the lower reaches of mid table if we have a particularly poor run which we are already on. Yeah, top half is is probably it. You know, as long as the playoffs are still alive, then you want to see them push for it somewhat. I think the question is, you know, I think if if you're if you're an owner, if you're the owner right now and you're looking at this, trying to be objective and trying to be realistic, you'd you'd say, look, playoffs are probably a difficult proposition now. Do you give some freedom to the head coach? Do you say, Mm. look, we tried this thing at the beginning of the season, it didn't work out, or it wasn't consistent enough. It didn't feel like it. We felt like it was maybe too much of a risk. There's some immediate pressure. We've got to stay close to that playoff pack. We've got to rein it in a little bit and just kind of work on the now a little bit until we get help um, from the market in the future. Would you say to your head coach, okay, you know, you've got some license now to to try and instill what you want to do longer term with the squad that's not ideal. You know, we're going to have some some we're going to have some bad results bad performances but we're also going to start to get those players that will be here next year a little bit more climatized that football we saw at the beginning of the season because that is the ultimate goal i was i was i spoke to some of the coaching staff over the summer a little bit and they were very positive and really positive about how um how the team were taking to kind of the, the football they wanted to play um how the season started obviously that qpr game but even the the the, the early games in general the performances were good you know the results maybe weren't ideal at, at all times but the performances were really really decent I thought um, I was much better I was okay with that risk that we were taking at the time I thought even if it did leave us a little bit further away than what we could have been if we'd been a bit more of a you know basic team um, I think the long-term ramifications of it were still positive so long as we committed as a club to that that, that cause which is obviously the the real issue um, so I think you should give that that freedom to the coaching staff and in turn to the players and try and bring some positivity back because there's two ways you can do it for me now um, to finish this season well and feel good about it. Either we start to play some football we can be a little bit proud of or at least kind of we can feel you know somewhat valiant to try and do something a little different. Um, I don't think it's, it gets too many people excited or entertained when it's just this kind of middle-of-the-road football. Or the other option would be kind of reverting to what we've seen from Ismail at other teams, you know, a little bit more direct, stretch the field a little bit more, um, get some more intensity off the ball, work on those foundational elements, which I think he wanted to include more of at, at Watford, but has has been somewhat restricted because honestly that sort of football doesn't really lend itself well to the smallest squad in the league, um, which is a big problem for us. So 
uh, for me, top half finish. Also, let's see what we're trying to go towards next season. You give the guy a five-year contract. This is not the five-year plan. Um, mm. So let's see what, what he wants to do um, and revert a little bit back to that kind of more free-flowing, um, risky, but potentially rewarding approach that we saw at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I think he's in a pretty enviable and, and in a sense, and not in all senses, but it, you know, rare position as a Watford head coach. There isn't that immediate pressure to win promotion, get in the playoffs, or stay up because we've achieved it. So you know, he's got the security of that contract, and evidently has there, for whatever reason, has the kind of backing and the belief of the the decision makers at the club. So yeah, we're not going up, we're not going down, all being well there is no excuse almost not to experiment I guess the excuse is the limitations of of the squad but it's a good opportunity and especially as he's meant to be plugged into that recruitment piece um, to work out you know who's going to be part of this longer term and and not because I'm sure we're going to see probably you know change again this summer in terms of getting rid of more high earners older players and and kind of reshaping the squad a little bit more Mm. well I think I I I think we also have to consider it does Gina really feel that we are out of the playoff picture or does he think this well, is good enough and should be competing should be competing because I think that's part of the problem I think that's what's led us down the route of having to adjust a little bit too is that again we have to chase the pack and and be a little bit more conservative we can't play with the risk um that we maybe wanted to earlier on because you know you, you're talking about turning some of those draws into losses you know potentially the other way too but uh, clearly our, our game plan is relatively safe you know we I know we talked about before but the reason why we are we have been that kind of late scoring team or um you know games have been quite close we're not leading for large amounts of uh, of minutes during games is because we are relatively safe um in a lot of ways and it, it's tough to convince a coach to to stray away from that when he has some feeling of you know we need to do something now um I don't think it's benefited us long term or even in the short term to have that approach and to apply that pressure to the coach really but that's become my interpretation of, of what we've been seeing um, because we again we as I said already that wasn't the idea at the beginning of the season I know for a fact that they want to do something different there was definitely a hope they'd have more support to help facilitate that mm. um, and I think they're probably clinging on to that now a little bit for, for next season but yeah it's um it, it, from from the, the from start to finish or well from this kind of change in direction it really just feels like a lot of half measures in, in every capacity which has hurt us a little bit well thank you very much for tuning in to the latest episode of What for Buzz thought we'd bring you a bonus one seeing as it felt like a pretty significant night unfortunately for the wrong reasons at Carrow Road we thoroughly appreciate all the questions we received if you ever have a question just tweet one of us it's at Watford Pod at Jordan Weimer, at TB Bodell and at Messi Messiano and we will always try and include it on the show. We've got a couple that we're going to hold over until we have a quieter week but as I said at the top, Watford do not always provide those. In the meantime, take it easy and we will speak to you again after what will hopefully be a victory to get us back on the right tracks at Rotherham. Take care. 